I invite you to focus your attention on the cross that means so much to us. And I'm going to ask and help us to reflect and remember for just a few minutes. Because as it were, we have had the privilege over the last several weeks to sit at the very feet of Jesus Christ, the master teacher, the Lord, the Savior of our lives. And he has taught us through this greatest sermon ever preached. And he has taught us principles of his truth and his kingdom. And I feel led for myself and for all of us to just look to him and to remember and to soak in just a bit more of some of what he said and how it impacts our lives and how we need to consider it as we move forward because it is as we've said several times, foundational for our Christian life, for our family lives, for our church life. And so allow me to just remind you, and as I just refer to some of these wonderful principles that Jesus has taught us, please look to him, listen to him, honor him, and remember him and apply, please apply as I will, these principles to your life. Because remember that he started in this Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes and he said things like, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. And blessed are you when you're persecuted, persecuted because of our love for Jesus Christ. And always, he said, be salt and light for this struggling world because this world and all of us in it are in desperate need of salt and light. And even in our struggles with things like anger and lust and broken relationships, be respectful and decent and turn to the Lord to understand how we're to handle those things. And we are to turn the other cheek even when we're in conflict. That we're not to seek revenge, but that we're to love our enemies. And he taught us, and he continues to teach us how to pray. He said to go into your closet and pray directly with your Father in heaven saying, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we emphasize that that is a statement to you and I individually. 
that we are asking Almighty God to bring about his ways in each of our lives, in each of our behavior, in each of our minds and spirits. Because his ways are the right ways. And he said, do not worry, but understand that your father knows what you need, even before you might say anything about it. And instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, and all of his ways, and everything will be taken care of. And don't fret and worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have enough issues of its own. And then he taught us about judging. And yes, he said the first and foremost thing is to be sure that we're looking at the board in our own eye and not just the speck in our brother or sister's eyes, but that we're to come before him to be accountable and take responsibility for our own flaws and failures. And we have to be careful about giving truth and righteousness and sacred things to people who are not worthy of that. And sometimes we have to shake the dust off of our feet, but do it under God's guidance. And he said, yes, as you seek the kingdom of God, you can ask and you will receive, you seek and you will find, and you knock and the door will be open. And he promised us those things that we just need to ask and seek and knock and that he will respond. And then as he moved toward the final stages of this powerful teaching and sermon, he gave us four warnings. Now, remember, we looked at that realizing that he gave us these warnings because he wanted us to be with him. He wanted us to have proper relationship with him. And he said that there are two gates and that the narrow gate Enter by the narrow gate. And we determine through other scripture that he is the gate, Jesus Christ. And that we're to enter through him and by him and under his guidance and under all that he would teach us. So enter by the narrow gate, he said. And then he said, beware of false prophets because there are people all around that would like to deceive and distract us from God's ways and that we are to know them and recognize them and even to judge them by their fruits because false prophets cannot produce good fruits. And then he said something very, very drastic and to be considered deeply by each one of us. Because 
And I'm going to read this specifically. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so we came to that and we talked very specifically about that we must know him. Know him fully and completely. Know his character. Know his love. Know his grace. Know his ways. Live by those ways. And then when we know him, then he has promised us that he will know us. Know us specifically. Know us by name. And then we would not ever have to fear that he would look at us and say, I never knew you. So we are to know him. And then his final warning at the end of this beautiful, powerful sermon and teaching was that, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And we have known and we have seen in Scripture and we have declared and we know and we know and we know that Jesus Christ is the rock. And he is the rock upon which we must build our house. We know that he is still building his church and that he is the solid foundation. And when we stand as individuals, as families, as a church family, when we stand on the rock, then even when the streams come down, the rains come down, and the streams rise, and there are floods and difficulties all around us, that the house will not fall. It will not crash and collapse. I just ask right now as we reflect back and then in just a moment consider moving forward, I just ask that you take a couple of minutes in silence and continue to think about what Jesus Christ has said to all of us through this powerful Sermon on the Mount. A statement, many statements for which we're all very thankful. Please just consider for a couple of minutes. Jesus, we come before you as your family, as your people. You have invited us. You have chosen us. You have welcomed us into your family. And we come before you reflecting on these powerful, powerful words of teaching, of principles, of behavior, of life. And we just have to say thank you. And our gratitude is from the depths of our heart.
fully in our spirit, completely in our mind, and we pray earnestly for the commitment of each of us that we will build our house on the rock, that you will be the foundation for who we are as men and women, who we are as family members, who we are as King's Grant Baptist Church, that you will be the foundation. And we know that you have commanded that. We know that you've made that possible. And so we thank you. And our prayer is for us to commit and to give ourselves and to obey and to live the kind of life that you want us to, to be the kind of people that you need us to be, to know you, to know you totally, and then to go and make you known to others, to be the witnesses that we are supposed to be. We pray for that. We pray for people to be saved. We pray for us to share the gospel truth, the good news. We pray earnestly for us to be that kind of people here in this church family. And we thank you. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the scriptures that we're able to study and to remember and to learn from and to reflect on over and over and over and over so that we will absorb it deeply in our spirit. Thank you, Lord. And we press on. We press on with your guidance with your forgiveness, with your grace. And we press on because it is what is to be. And we pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes when I think about things like that, I'm just not sure what to say next. Because those are powerful things. Those are amazing things. Those are godly things. They're not just my things or your things. They're Jesus Christ things. And that is where we focus. And that's what I felt led. And I do want to share with you that this all has led me and I trust will lead us into these future weeks because I was impressed after finishing the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, after finishing what he had said to us that we've just reflected on, that now it was absolutely necessary for you and for me and for us to follow Jesus. <laughs> now that may seem like a, a simple statement. And I know you're here because you know Jesus. I know you're here because you want to follow Jesus. But also know that we all struggle with that. And I believe that it is our responsibility. It is absolutely necessary for all of us to be reminded of that on a regular, daily, daily, daily basis. 
And so what, if you want to call it a sermon series or an emphasis or whatever you would like to call it, but what I feel led to press on a little bit here today and then in future Sundays is to look at the behavior, the teachings, and the actions, and the example, and the totality of Jesus Christ. Because we have declared, he has declared, Scripture has declared that he is the rock, and he is building his church on that rock. And so what I want to do here for the next ten minutes or so is I want to remind you of what happened immediately after his Sermon on the Mount. Because we find that Jesus, after he had finished this powerful teaching in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, in the 8th chapter of Matthew, he immediately moved into practicing what he preached. And that's a good phrase. Because what I am about to say to you and what Scripture says to us is that he just didn't sit up there on the side of the mountain in front of probably hundreds of people and give this wonderful sermon. But then as he stepped off of the side of that mountain and came down, then he put into practice some of what he had already just said. And in these next weeks, we're going to look carefully at the things that he said and the things that he did so that we can follow him. So that we can know him even better than you and I know him today, I trust. And so in chapter 8 of the book of Matthew, it says that as Jesus came down off the mountain, that the crowds were following him. Now there's the key word, following him. And that's part of why I feel impressed that you and I here in this place on Sunday mornings, we've got to follow him in, in total, in depth, in the reality of who he is. And the crowds were following him, and it says that a leper, a man with leprosy, came and knelt before Jesus Christ. And the man said, Master, if you're willing, I know that you can heal me. And what did Jesus say? Did Jesus say, leave me alone, go away, go away, don't bother me? No, you know that. He looked at that man, remember leprosy. This man was eaten up with a terrible disease. What, how did they treat lepers in that day and age? Unclean, unclean, avoidance, put them away. Certainly do not touch them. What did Jesus say to that leper that was before him? He said, sir, I am willing. Jesus Christ is saying to this leper, I am willing to heal you. And then what did Jesus do? He touched him. He touched this diseased man. Remember one of the terms that they said to lepers, untouchable. And Jesus touched him, and the man was healed immediately. Here's this outcast, and Jesus practices what he preaches. Next, 
we're told that a centurion approached Jesus. Now, who and what is a centurion? A Roman soldier. Now, I'm going to remind you, as horrific as it is, what happened as Jesus went to the cross at the hands of centurions, of Roman soldiers. Beatings, spit upon. Now this centurion is standing in front of Jesus saying, Lord, I have a servant that is paralyzed and in horrible suffering. And Jesus said, well, I will go to your house and heal this man. And what did the centurion say? No, no, Jesus, my house does not deserve you in it. The centurion said, if you will just say the word, if you will just declare that this man can be healed, then he will be healed. The centurion is saying that. And what did Jesus, what was his response? Scripture says that Jesus was astonished at the truth and the statement and the faith of this Roman soldier. Astonished was Jesus. And he declared that never in all of his experience had he ever seen such faith that this Roman soldier had. Remember, the Roman soldier was an enemy. Remember what Jesus had preached? Love your enemies. Encounter them. Be with them. Turn the other cheek. Be a person of the love of God. And now Jesus is saying that this centurion has faith like he's never seen before. <coughs> and the centurion said, Lord, if you'll just say, then my servant will be healed. And thus it was. At that very moment, the servant was healed. Then Jesus goes into Peter's house. We find out here that Peter had a house. Peter also had a mother-in-law. That means Peter had a wife. <laughs> and the mother-in-law was sick. Now here's this woman who's frail and sick. What does Jesus do? He goes in and immediately goes over and touches this woman who had a fever of some sort. And she was healed. And then many people came to Jesus in that setting. Many people with demon possession, with bad spirits, with diseases. And we're told that he heals and he heals and he heals. And the crowds are following him. There it is again. They are seeking Jesus out. Because he's practicing what he preached. He's living the way that he taught. And then, in the midst of the crowds, there is a teacher of the law. Now, that means a Pharisee. Now, remember, please, the Pharisees were always trying to trick Jesus. And the Pharisee said, Jesus, just tell me and I will follow you. Now, was that a true statement? We do not know. It may have been a trick. But Jesus taught 
this Pharisee, maybe challenged this Pharisee because he said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have their own nest, but the Son of Man does not have a place to lay his head. A lesson? Yes. And then somebody said, well, Jesus, I'll go with you, but I need to, to bury my dead. Well, Jesus said there's a priority in life and let the dead bury their dead and come and follow me. What does he say to you and me? We have all sorts of priorities in our life. Some of them are very good. Yes. Jobs, education, family, children. Yes, yes, yes. But Jesus said, come and follow me. Remember, he's practicing what he preached. He's asking us to follow. That's what we're going to study over these next weeks, to follow him. Then we're told that Jesus gets in a boat. He was on the water often. And all of his disciples, all, there was a whole group of people that followed him. And there was a, I don't know how many people were on the boat. Maybe it was the 12, maybe it was more. But Jesus is on the boat and a, a ferocious that's the word in Scripture. A ferocious storm comes up. It is violent. It is wind and waves, and it's tossing the boat all about. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Oh, my goodness. Is Jesus worried? <laughs> He's practicing what he preached. He's not worried. He's sleeping. Are there other people in the boat worried? Oh, yes, it says that they were frantic, basically. They woke him up and said, Lord, 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 we're going to drown. They thought they were going in the water, and they were ready, perceiving, anticipating drowning. And Jesus said, oh, you people of little faith. Now, just let that sink in for a moment. I don't want Jesus to say that to me or to us. Oh, you people of little faith, why are you so frightened? Why are you so fearful? Why are you afraid? And Jesus turned and rebuked the wind and the waves. And his disciples said, what kind of man is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. But they do. And then the last scene in this chapter 8, these various, I believe, illustrations of him practicing what he preaches. He goes into this, the region of the Gadarenes. And we're told that two, now in other Gospels, sometimes it's one, there's no disagreement there. But two demon-possessed men come out to greet him or to stand in front of him and I don't know that it was a greeting because these are demon possessed and scripture says that these men were so violent that nobody could pass by at that place so these men were wreaking havoc because of their demon possession or their upset or their violence and they come before Jesus and they the demons confront Jesus and says they say, why are you here, Jesus, son of God? Are you here just to torture us? And then they say, if, 
if you're here to do something to us, send us out and send us into this herd of pigs. You know the story. There was a herd of pigs close by. And the demons were saying, well, if you're going to do something to us, send us into that herd of pigs. And Jesus says one word, go. Now this tells us that Jesus Christ has authority over the demon realm. For that we are deeply thankful because Satan does all sorts of weird stuff to you and me. But Jesus Christ has already won the victory. Jesus said, go. And the demons came out of those men, went into the pigs, and the pigs couldn't take it. Ran down the hill, into the water, and died by drowning the pigs. Then the people that were all around ran into the town and they told the town people about all this that had happened. Drastic story. They were talking about what this man Jesus Christ had done. And then some of the townspeople came out and I find this very interesting, but it is again part of what Jesus teaches, part of what he says, part of what he lives, part of what he asks you and I to live. The townspeople said, please leave. Now remember those demon-possessed men? They were no longer demon-possessed. <laughs> he had cleaned them up. They were no longer violent. They were no longer threatening people on the roadside there. But the people were frightened at the power of Jesus Christ. Please leave. Because this power that you've demonstrated makes me uncomfortable. I think that's what they were saying. Now, we don't throw rocks at people like that because sometimes you and I are uncomfortable at the power of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we want to say, oh, no, no. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to think about that. I certainly am not going to expose myself to that. Please, Jesus, leave. No, please, Jesus, come. Please show us yourself so that we can know you and we can share you with other people. Please remember, we are to be witnesses of the power of Jesus Christ. And that's part of what I want. I want for you. I want for me. I want for us is that we will see maybe a new, maybe deeper than we ever have before, the power of Jesus Christ so that we will be sure that we can make him known since we know him and therefore he knows us. Please think about this. Please pray for this journey for all of us as we follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray a moment.